Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Trump can be and must be expunged. The hate he has triggered, the Pandora's box he has opened, they will not be so easily destroyed. So let us brace ourselves. The task is twofold. The terrorist Trump must be defeated, must be destroyed, must be devoured at the ballot box. And then he and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators and the Mike Lees and the William Barrs and the Sean Hannity's and the Mike Pence's and the Rudy Giuliani's and the Kyle Rittenhouse's and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted and convicted and removed from our society while we try to rebuild it and to rebuild the world Trump has nearly destroyed by turning it over to a virus. Remember it, even as we dream of a return to reality and safety and the country for which our forefathers died, that the fight is not just to win an election, but to win it by enough to chase, at least for a moment, Trump and the maggots off the stage and then try to clean up what they left. Remember it, even though to remember it, means remembering that the fight does not end November 3rd, but in many ways will only begin that day. Jesus fucking Christ, Keith. Did your boyfriend forget the lube, bud? Did he not kiss you when you finished? What's up? Expunged. Destroyed. Terrorist. They must be devoured, including his supporters. The maggots. And then we must prosecute and convict and remove from society. Kyle Rittenhouse and Amy Coney Barrett, along with other people in his cabinet. But he also mentioned the supporters. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, this isn't even unhinged. It's insane. It's dangerous, insane rhetoric. On my worst moment, and I am a radical, in my worst moment, I don't come across this hyperbolic. Truly, I don't. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. What has Amy Coney Barrett done that's illegal? Other than be a judge who gets nominated to the Supreme Court, you don't like her. We get it, bud. But that's not a reason to imprison people. It's clear that they want dissenting opinions criminalized. They want us dead. But as Michael Mellis says regularly, they will settle for our submission. I refuse to submit because to submit to someone like Keith Olbermann is death itself. They will not let you live peacefully with them. Listen to the words he's using. Does that sound like someone who wants to make amends? That wants to have a meeting of the minds where we agree to disagree and live on separate paths? No. He's the guy who runs the HOA that demands that you, you manage your hedges to the, to the extent that he finds it appealing. And if you don't, he wants you evicted. Or killed. He's a dangerous, dangerous human being. I just can't see it any other way. And he's not the only one. The vitriolic rhetoric is everywhere and it's pervasive and it's just coming harder and faster day after day. God forbid Trump wins. God forbid. For, from my personal vantage point and the comedic 
flair that it would provide, I pray to God Trump wins because Keith Olbermann's meltdown will be second to none. It'll be a thing of beauty. My chalice shall overrunneth with leftist tears. And that is all I'm living for in 2020. The Biden-Trump debate was what I had been living for. Didn't really meet my expectations. Trust me, though. Keith Olbermann's meltdown, if Trump wins again, will be one for the ages. On top of the Lakers championship, it might actually salvage 2020 for me. Please, Lord above, let it happen. And it isn't only the Keith Olbermans of the world that are adding to this fire. It's former CIA directors like John O. Brennan, who was on MSNBC in January of 2019, and he said this. People are innocent until, you know, alleged to be involved in some type of criminal activity. No, that's not how it works. John, former director of the CIA, is that how you operated, bud? Are you kidding me? You are innocent until proven guilty. This isn't a, like, what? What are we doing? This guy was the director of the CIA. One of the head legal men in the country for years. And he can't get this right? That you're not guilty until you're accused of something? Mother of God. This guy, and just so people know, this guy was the lead push from the media because he had the authority of being the former director of the CIA to say that Trump had colluded with the Russians. I got another clip for you so you can hear the bullshit story that he was pushing. Director Brennan, I notice in leafing through this indictment, we've only just gotten it, that it appears Roger Stone is only indicted for things that happened after the investigation began. But you said an investigation was underway back in 2016. Can we read from this indictment that the special counsel's office believes that what Roger Stone did in 2016, before he committed these lying to investigators or whatever, that that was all legal? Uh, no. Again, I haven't read the indictment. And I, I know that in the summer of 2016, I had numerous conversations with Jim Comey about what was happening in terms of what the Russians were doing, what was being pushed out publicly, how they got access to the information, who might have facilitated the release of information. Uh, and so whether or not you know, Roger Stone was involved in any of that, uh, again, I defer to the special counsel's office. Uh, but uh, it was an ongoing, very intense investigation at that time to see what U.S. person or officials might have been working with the Russians, either wittingly or in unwittingly, to interfere in the election. As you say, Director Brennan, we'll wait to see Mueller's report till we get the full picture of all this, but we do have a lot of pieces of it now that we've seen cooperation agreements and now indictments. What's the story, as you see it, that Mueller has begun to tell with the public information that we have? That there was an extensive effort to um, try to influence the outcome of the election that involved the Russians, that involved U.S. persons, uh, and that uh, may have gone to the very top of the Trump campaign. 
And so I think the shoes that are yet to drop are going to be the ones that are going to be the most profound and that will uh, hit the people at the, uh, at the top of the organization. Who that is? Top of the organization, may, meaning Donald Trump? It may be, may Including not. Including family uh, members? Uh, well, I think, you know, clearly they have been talked to or they've been interviewed by the FBI. I think there's a fair amount of uh, vulnerability that they might have uh, on this. Uh, but again, I defer to the special counsel's office to make the determination about whether what they did that threshold from collusion, which I think is quite evident, to criminal conspiracy. Mm. And it's whether or not it's past that threshold that is going to lead into an indictment of individuals that are close to Mr. Trump, that are part of his family, or, or others. Spoiler alert, none of it happened that way. It wasn't his kids, it wasn't Trump, no one went down that was close to him other than Manafort, and it was all on bullshit that had nothing to do with colluding over the election. Flynn lied under oath about dates that he got wrong. Manafort was a scumbag, but it really had nothing to do with Trump. It was long prior. Had business dealings with Ukraine. Wink, wink, Joe Biden. Yeah. So Brennan was out there pushing this nonsense for years, for four straight years. And on top of that, he's brazen enough to brag about the fact that he was having meetings with Comey regularly in the beginning of 2016 in what we now know was an orchestrated effort by the Obama-Biden presidency to drum up intel against Hillary Clinton's campaign opponent in Trump. It was concocted, whole cloth. They made it up. Does anyone pay a price for it? No. John Brennan is still a contributor to MSNBC, amongst others. This guy lied through his teeth about everything. He was in on those meetings with Comey. He knew that this was a scam. It's naive to believe otherwise. And the reason he's been so vitriolic against Trump for the past four years is because he knows he broke the law. He committed treason. To me, it's clear he committed treason. And he has to see Trump done away with because he knows if his political allies get back in power, he'll see no prosecution. Why would Biden prosecute a guy who was a participant in a plan that he participated in too? Of course he's not going to. So Brennan, Brennan has to, hell or high water, he has to get Biden in office to save his own ass. And I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, Clint, can it really be that simple? And I'm telling you, it is that simple. The deep state, the CIA, the FBI, the Clintons, Obama. I know I sound like a fucking nutcase. I get it. I'm pairing all these boogeymen together and painting this picture as if it's so obvious. It is that obvious. I have followed it the entire time because I'm a political junkie and I wanted to know what the hell went down. And I am telling you, I have no doubt in my mind that these people colluded to take out Trump on concocted collusion charges. And now we have confirmation from the New Yorker, or uh, excuse me, the New York Post, that Hunter Biden, it appears, had communications with his dad, Joe Biden, our future president, most likely. And he was in charge of basically the legal department of Burisma, which is an oil juggernaut in Ukraine. And they were being pressured, and he 
he was approached by one of the higher-ups in Burisma and asked, can you use your connections with your dad to get them to back off because otherwise we're going to lose a lot of money. And they were paying Hunter Biden 50 grand a month, which amounts to 600 grand a year, to do that. He was not some legal scholar. He had no knowledge about the oil industry. He was hired and paid specifically for his business ties. And whether or not that's illegal, I don't know. But I know for damn sure it's immoral and it's for sure unethical for Joe Biden to then use his station to withhold a billion dollars in aid, which, as you know, I don't support them getting anyways, but nonetheless, he used his position to withhold that aid and bragged about it to get the prosecutor uh, withdrawn, taken off the the job from the Ukrainian president. So... As they were, once again, pointing, 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 their thumbs were pointing back at them. Everything that they were saying about Trump, they were doing themselves. When you start to realize that, you might start to understand the the bigger game. And it's not that I'm saying Trump's a good guy. As I've said a million times, Trump is dirty in his own right. But he's dirty in more of the classical sense that we can all appreciate, in my opinion as opposed to the political sense, which is as dirty and as sinister and as underhanded and as immoral as it comes, because you're doing it with tax money. At least Trump was a scumbag in the real estate industry. He ripped off some contractors. He did a bunch of shady dealings. He probably had connections with the mob. All of that, to me, is way more ethical than using your station as the vice president of the United States of America to withhold aid to another country. As a result, your son walks away with a couple million bucks. And then on top of that, there's rumors that he received three million more from, uh, I believe it was the mayor of Moscow. That None of that's confirmed yet, so I won't go down that path. But my point is, yeah, Biden is as dirty as Trump would ever possibly be. So how are we going to pick him as the guy to get us back on track? Get America back working together. Build back better. It's nonsense. Excuse my George Bush impersonation. Not to be outdone, we have the ACB confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court this week, and Kamala Harris was like, I need some shine. I got some questions. Man, this lady is detestable. I swear to God, it's it's Hillary Clinton in blackface. I'm sorry, it's true. It's just true, folks. I'm calling it like I see it. She is Hillary Clinton reincarnate with a little Justin Trudeau mixed in blackface version. Do you accept that COVID-19 is infectious? Um, I, I think, yes, I do accept that COVID-19 is infectious, that that's something of which I feel like, you know, we could say you take judicial notice of. It's an obvious fact, yes. Do you accept that smoking causes cancer? I'm not sure exactly where you're going with this, but, you know, the, the notice it's, that smoking it's just a causes... Question. The question is what it is. You can answer it if you believe. Um, no. <laughs> Senator Harris, yes, every package of cigarettes warns that smoking causes cancer. And do you believe that climate change is happening and is threatening um, the air we breathe and the water we drink? Um, Senator, again, I was wondering where you were going with that. Um, you have asked me a series of questions like that are completely uncontroversial, like whether COVID-19 is infectious, whether smoking causes cancer, and then trying to analogize that to eliciting an opinion on me that is a very contentious matter, opinion from me that is on a very contentious matter of 
public debate, and I will not do that. I will not express a view on a matter of public policy, especially one that is politically controversial because that's inconsistent with the judicial role, as I have explained. Thank you, thank you, Judge Barrett. And, and you've made your point clear that you believe it's a debatable point. There you have it. It's threatening the air we breathe and the water we drink. I've heard a lot of things about climate change and global warming. I have not heard that our air will become unbreathable or that our water will become undrinkable. Is that a controversial take? I think hers is the controversial one. And the fact that she runs such an obvious prosecutorial game where she asks a few questions that prompt a yes or no, and she uses ones that are easily yeses. It's just such an obvious game. And and props to ACB for identifying it. You know, the fact that she was like, I don't know where this is going, but I uh, don't really like it. And she was right. She's a judge. She knows exactly the game that's being played. And she did it. Honestly, I watched a bunch of her interviews. She did. A, she had a master class in handling the questioning. And from everything I've heard her answers on, I, f- I think that she sounds pretty good. I mean, I, I know that she's not perfect from our vantage point, but compared to whatever devilish hellscape Biden would try and bring about, I, uh, I'm on board for her, if I'm being honest. And the bigger point that I didn't mention is that what the fuck does global warming have to do with being a Supreme Court justice? Her job is to interpret and apply the Constitution to legal matters. That is what you are questioning her about. Can she do that job? Global warming has nothing to do with the Constitution. I don't even know how you would possibly read it into it. Yes, she will have some cases presented to her that will have to do with whether or not whatever insane Green New Deal plan they try and push through is constitutional, but you're not supposed to be picking your judges based off of what laws they'll approve. You're supposed to be basing it off of whether or not they actually interpret the Constitution. At least that's what the game used to be. I noticed a whole bunch of commentators on Twitter that were basically flabbergasted at Coney Barrett's unwillingness to step into the you know political uh, debates of the day, as if that's her job. These people can't even fathom operating without a political bias. They can't imagine it. And many of these people are reporters whose job it is to remove their personal bias as they report on the stories of the day, or at least that used to be the journalist's role. They're so indoctrinated that not only do they do it, but they expect judges to do it too. They tried to throw her her religion in her face and say that she was unqualified because she couldn't rule on abortion without having her own moral compass come into play. And ACB fired right back, like, I'm going to interpret based off the Constitution. That's my job. And I got to be honest, I love that answer. That is the right answer. You shouldn't say, yeah, I'm going to overturn Roe vs. Wade because God told me to. If she said that, I would be horrified. I don't want anyone in that role that is operating based off of their moral compass as much as I want them to be interpreting the Constitution. If you believe that that was a good thing, which I do, if it were ever lived up to, it would be a great thing. Not to be outdone, we have the great senator from Hawaii, Maisie Hirono. And we'll get out of here on this. This lady is out of her effing mind. She is, honestly, she sounds like she's retarded, guys. I'm just gonna just gonna say it. She doesn't sound like she has all the chromosomes necessary to function, much less be one of the, you know, couple hundred most powerful people in our country. 
Jesus Christ, Hawaii, what's wrong with you? How did you elect this lady? You have Tulsi Gabbard and you went with Maisie Hirono, who is like literally chewing at her ear? Ugh. In this case, you did not give credence, much credence to the effect of this rule. In this case, you don't seem to go much credence to the what the hell is happening. She's reading, guys. She's reading and she's like, in this case, I'm not making fun of her accent. She doesn't even have one. She's just brain dead. She's broken. How was she in charge of like laws and stuff? How was she in charge of anything? Oh my God. And I was disappointed that you wouldn't give a direct answer on whether you agreed with the majority in that case or if you instead agree with your mentor, Justice Scalia, that no such right exists in the Constitution. So even though you didn't give a direct answer, I think your response did uh, speak volumes. Not once, but twice. You used the term sexual preference to describe those in the LGBTQ community. And let me make clear, sexual preference is an offensive and outdated term. It is used by anti-LGBTQ activists to suggest that sexual orientation is a choice. It is not. Sexual orientation is a key part of a person's identity. That sexual orientation is both a normal expression of human sexuality and immutable was a key part of the majority's opinion in Obergefell, which, by the way, Scalia did not agree with. So if it is your view that sexual orientation is merely a preference, as you noted, then the LGBTQ community should be rightly concerned whether you would uphold their constitutional right to marry. I don't think that you use the term sexual preference as just, uh, I don't think it was an accident. It wasn't an accident because it's nothing. It's how people normally speak. In fact, it would be considered progressive for like, I don't know, 2014. And you're telling me that some 70-year-old Hawaiian lady is Lord of the Woke. She speaks for the entire LGBTQIAAP, LMNOP community. Come on. This is ridiculous. There's nothing bigoted in using the phrase sexual preference. It's descriptive, not prescriptive, if anything. It's just saying... I mean, what do you what do you call someone? Do you go, uh, so do you, what's your sexual uh, desire? <laughs> you just ask people what their desires are. <laughs> I mean, a desire would would imply a choice too. So that would that be bigoted? Do you just have to call them gay or straight? You can't even ask the question. It's a bizarre non-issue. Grandstanding on nothing. I don't know who falls for this stuff. I don't believe that the gay community falls for this stuff. I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. I think too highly of gay people to think that they would actually look at Maisie Hirono's stuttering dumbass and think to ourselves, man, thank God we got an ally there. Now, they may not like ABC, ACB, <laughs> for other reasons, but I can't imagine that the offense arises from the use of sexual preference. It's just such nonsense. The language police. 
and the ever-moving goalposts on what's acceptable language. It is intentional. It's an operation. And they, they work in unison to consistently keep us on the defensive so that we can't ever speak. It chills our speech. And that's why you have to stop playing the game. Don't allow someone's outrage to slow you down. Speak your mind regardless. Let the chips fall where they may. And if you don't do it soon, the chips may fall on you. We need to, in unison, tell these sensitive psychopaths who aren't even sensitive. They're just emotionally manipulating you and you know it. So stop apologizing. Stop pretending that you may have hurt their feelings on accident. You didn't. You don't need to play this game anymore. Sexual preference is okay. Calling someone gay is okay if they are gay. As long as it's not followed by a pejorative. These are all acceptable ways to treat people. Stop playing the game. Brings me to my last topic of the night, and that was the rising suicide rates across the country, largely driven by the lockdowns, of course, and the refusal to allow us to be with our loved ones, to be there for the elderly in particular, as they die alone in nursing homes. I mean, these are devastating sociological experiments that we're allowing. Sure, call them scientists, call them whatever you want. I'm going to call them monsters. We're allowing monsters to dictate how we live and how we treat our friends and family. And it's unacceptable. We have people, we have students, kids that are paying tuition to be isolated in their dorm rooms for 14 days straight because they're so horrified that a bunch of healthy 20-year-olds might come down with a virus with at that age range a 99.9999999999 survival rate. No one that's healthier in their 20s is dying from COVID. It's not happening. And we're allowing them to break these these kids' spirits in some of the most formative years of their lives. And they're so young and indoctrinated, they don't even know how fucked up this is. They have to rely on the older generation like myself and you guys out there that are listening to stand up for them and say that, I mean, if, you, if you're old enough to have kids, especially kids that are, you know, in that age range, my God, get them out of there. Tell them to live their lives. They have nothing to fear. And this had me thinking at the gym today about how, you know, we have so much increasing mental breakdowns, mental issues in this country. And what I was thinking about is, a lot of this is driven by, and I know we love to always circle back to the Federal Reserve, um, but in this instance, I've never heard anyone talk about this, so I thought I would briefly. And that's that the Federal Reserve's policy of inflating our currency is causing us to work more and more because obviously the value of your dollar decreases as they print and spend and borrow more money. So that requires that now you can't have a single head of household for the most part. You know, you have to have either the husband or the wife or whoever out there earning. But then now you have to have the other one out there earning too, if not, you know, at the very least with a part-time job, primarily. I mean, I, 
obviously there's rare exceptions where someone is the the main breadwinner and you can have a stay-at-home wife but that used to be pretty much the norm in the 50s that's no longer the norm and I don't think that people pay attention to the fact that that is largely driven by the fact that our currency doesn't buy what it used to. And yes, obviously we make more money, but if you adjust for inflation, we don't make more money. Oftentimes we make less, especially if you really consider what actual inflation is and not what CPI says, in which case, you know, your dollar has lost 99% of its value in the past hundred years or so. You could buy like a house for a hundred bucks back in the day. And now it's like starter homes are half a mil and you got to borrow that money and the Fed manipulates those interest rates and that drives up the price of housing because you can borrow more money. So it's multifaceted. Not only are they debasing our currency, but they're also creating artificial demand in the sense that you can now borrow more money than you should possibly be able to get your hands on and do it at a rate that's lower than the market would ever allow. They are creating the market on multiple fronts. And all of these are, I'm going to be nice and say unintentional consequences. But what it does is it creates societal unrest. It creates depression. It creates people that feel like they can't provide for their family. Men in particular are devastated by this. Because regardless of how woke and evolved we've gotten, men still have in their being a drive to be providers. We just do. That's how we've that's how most of us were raised. Obviously there's exceptions, but most of us were raised to be the breadwinner, to be the provider. And yeah, God bless. If your wife is skilled and and a go-getter and she wants to go out and work, like that's great too. If it's voluntary, I'm all for it. So this is not some like anti-feminism thing. I'm just saying that there is a an aspect to the societal decay that we're experiencing that is brought about by the Federal Reserve and its policies and its unintended consequences therein. So I hope that you guys think about that a little bit, and I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If uh, if you did, please retweet when I post the notification, and also leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you leave your uh, social media handle, I will give you a shout-out on the next show. So leave a review. It's so easy. And because I'm a man of my word, I'm going to do that right now, because we got three new reviews. We got the Liberty Hippie. I don't have the Twitter handle, but it's probably that. It says dynamite, just like a hamburger with cheese. I don't know, man. I feel like you could have done better. But you know what? I appreciate you, Liberty Hippie, because I'll roll a joint with you and eat a hamburger, whatever. Uh, we got Brit221982. I'm guessing that is tweets by Brit on Twitter, but I don't know. Uh, she says, love this. Love this podcast. It's high energy and right on target. you goddamn right it is. There's like a target out there. There's a bullseye, and then there's my face right in the middle of it. Then we got Joe Sorty. He says, brutally honest, liberty-minded discussion. Real honest libertari- libertarian talk on today's society. Intelligent, informed, and unabashed. Pro-individual and freedom. Thank you so much, Joe. You're absolutely right, sir. And that's that's what I do. So if you leave your Twitter handle in the write-up, I'll say it, and you'll get more followers. This is really easy, folks. Just do it. I'll catch you next time. We out.